If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Julie Cohn. Julie sells her art internationally and has been shown, exhibited in many museums throughout the United States. She has a thorough commitment to bringing positive change into people's lives through her art, her art gallery of four artists, her teachings, and the joy of bringing sustainability into all of our lives. She has made many webinars about abstract art and loves to share her journey about art and healing. Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much, Carissa. Well, what makes your art special? Um, So you say you're bringing sustainability into our lives. How do you integrate that into your art? Sustainability starts with self. We need to sustain ourselves. And when I'm working with my art, I am connecting to my center, my, my Hara, that part of me that is no longer being affected by all the negativity that can be happening in the world. I move into that beautiful, sustainable place. And then I started my gallery, which is online and in person, because I wanted to extend that sustainability from myself to other artists, helping them make their living. And they are also doing art that is very sustainable for them in terms of their well-being. And then as that moves out into the bigger world, the people who have the art in their homes feel sustained because our work is very positive, very uh, much about uh, connecting to the earth, connecting to each other. And then on top of that, there's one more level of sustainability. And that is during COVID, I was feeling like a lot of us very isolated. And at that time, I decided that I wanted to do something bigger than myself. I really wanted to start a gallery uh, where 30% of what we earn goes somewhere that helps the planet and helps people. So I have a particular contract with a Habitat for Humanity in my area, and 30% every year is going to them, which is a big percentage. Yeah, that's like unheard of. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really in this for giving. Yeah, That's, that's just incredible. And how did you decide on Habitat for Humanity? You know, it was an intuitive thing. Okay. Intuition kept saying habitat, habitat. And Uh I think because I've heard so many good things about them. And one of the main things that I ended up learning over time was that they have something called sweat equity. People who are part of a family or even on their own, they want to put their sweat and their tears into making a home. So they put all their energy, energy into it. And then once that home is built, it's something like 500 hours it takes, and they work with a whole team through Habitat, then their mortgage is hardly anything, or their interest is like 1% or zero. And they have to qualify, they have to be working, right? But they put in a certain amount of hours, and they get a home that they would have never been able to afford otherwise. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that either. I've never volunteered with them. <laughs> wow. You have so much joy. Well, you ha- the I'm happy joy to share it. <laughs> yeah, exudes from every cell of your being. Oh my goodness. Just like a bubble, a bubble of joy. That's so awesome. I love that energy oh. that you have. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that uh, story and your, your mission. And 
is just really shining through about how you want to give back to the planet and help people have homes. So that's just beautiful. And my, my parents um, always love in their family, you know, but they had broken homes for various reasons when they were young. And I was given a really wonderful home and upbringing, mm. but I know their past. Right. And I think what I, when I realized why I kept going to Habitat, it's because when my father was in the Holocaust in Germany and he fled from there and was able to reunite from his family after being in an orphanage, he met his whole family of four, like the, the you know, the main family, and they came to America, but they had nothing at first and they were helped by America to get on their feet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I realized that this was part of my mission because I was, I'm part of that legacy. Yeah. And paying it forward. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So tell me a little bit about your journey to being an artist. Were you always an artist? What age did you start where people started noticing? Ooh, <laughs> uh, did you ever think about this? Being an oh, <laughs> you know, I, I was like, there are all these people in my class at third grade and second grade who are making cartoons and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that kind of thing. And I, I didn't think I was an artist and I'm the third. Wow. Child. That's pretty impressive. What kids in your class were doing. Yeah. That. They were making cartoons. Oh, and they're young. There's some kids. They're just amazing when they're really little. Okay. And I didn't have that because I just didn't know even to try, but because I'm the third child, of a brother and sister who are seven and nine years older, respectively, when they got to that point where they could be more independent, my mom took out her art materials. My mom was an artist. I didn't even know it until I was 10. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so funny. I could totally relate to that. Yeah. Because my mom is an amazing painter, artist, and and she didn't paint at all when I was growing up. She worked, she worked at like a traditional job and she didn't really do any of this, these like creative outlets. And then um, I saw her art and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to do a children's book with us. And so she did <laughs> illustrate a children's book for us. And I was like, what that are you incredible. doing? I know. Why did you hide that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I think some something about that generation, they were mm. just multi-talented and didn't think it was a big deal. Like, I feel like it was like nothing to her to be a good cook to knit, you know, like all of this, because I find that in my mother-in-law too, she is so amazingly talented and it's just, she's so humble about it. And and it's just, do you think that's true about that generation maybe? Yeah. Oh, my, my mom, bless her soul. She died when she was 57, but she was very humble about her art. And, um, you Okay. (laughs) yeah she was very very humble and um so she took out her art supplies and I said what are you doing and then I decided I would take some classes after school so I took them and I was with all the kids in classes and I was like I don't like the kids classes I want to go to the adult classes (laughs) so by the time I was 12 I was already with adults I had it in me. It was just in me. It was so natural. And I wanted to learn everything one could learn to be a realistic painter at that time. That was what I was given. You know, that was my path at that time. Mm -hmm. And I kept pursuing that. And um, yeah, that's how it all started. And so it, it became solace for me. Whenever there was anything difficult with the family, I would go outside and sit by a tree and draw it and be with nature and ground and, you know, get grounded. That was, that was so important for me. The art was a way for me to learn who I was. Mm -hmm. Even if that was only one way that I could find out 
because I felt that my family was very opinionated and often wanted to squelch my ideas because they didn't want me to get upset or, you know, there, there was this kind of holding down. So I was afraid to share sometimes. Mm-hmm. They loved me, but there was a sense of kind of don't voice your opinion that might be too different. Mm. We, we don't know mm-hmm. that we will accept that. Yeah. And that really, it wasn't about you. It was just a pattern that they had in their yeah, family. Exactly. exactly. And that's all that they could do to be safe, really. Exactly. In, in the world. So they're right. trying to protect you. So you don't stand out too much. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> but that, not you. You're a shining star. Oh, but girl. I couldn't. I couldn't be back then too you much because be. okay. I was. I wanted to be. I've yeah. always wanted. Yeah. To be. Yeah. I and they knew that, that about me. me. Yeah. But right. there were things I was afraid to be mm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, did anyone in your family or your peers? try to squash your dreams or did you think it was going to be your career or you're just like having fun because you're a kid I mean like was there anyone like oh don't be an artist because you know they have that stigma the starving artist well here's the thing about my family okay they were like do whatever you want with art okay that that was never ever squelched oh that was so pleased about Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that I, by the time I was in high school, I knew I was going to be an artist. I knew when I went to college, I was going to be an artist. You know, whatever I did, that there was just no question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, I didn't know how I was going to make a living. That's That was a whole other thing. Because <laughs> that's, that's a whole other part of being an artist, which is really 50%. I mean, some people say, well, you got it or you don't as an artist. And then, okay, you know, you, you either sell or you don't. But really... You've got to know marketing. It's there's a whole lot to it. Yeah, I'm sure. So, how has your relationship with art shifted over the years? My relationship started with learning technique, feeling rooted in the earth, doing portraits of people, doing maybe florals of a flower that reminded me of my mom who had died, like connecting to people through the actual reality until I had injuries or I had cancer. Mm -hmm. So when I had a major injury due to playing for six hours on the wrong guitar, jazz chords, I had a thoracic outlet injury on my neck. Wow. And it affected both hands. Six and hours. I was really wanting to be this jazz guitarist vocalist, which I still <laughs> do now, but it's not my main like everyday thing, right? Okay. And so but it that's was a long time for anybody. That was a long time for, and I did not know how to listen to my body. Oh, you oh. probably knew how to, you probably knew how to uh, leave your body, actually. I left my body. Yeah. And then my body said, no, 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 no. <laughs> come back here. Yeah, we need you. Back. Yeah, totally. So See, that, that's, that's oh. how you could do it. Wow. That's exactly. amazing. So when I did that, that brought me to doing art that was more connected to healing and understanding my own healing. I interviewed different people who had had what we at that time called more disabilities. I like to think them think of it now as we just all have a certain finite number of abilities. But at that time, I called it athletes of the spirit, exploring disability through art and writing. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed different people with disabilities because I wanted to understand their lives. And the art was about them and my perspective on the interview that I had with them. Oh. And very surrealistic work, like very imaginative, but still using representational and realistic forms. And then when I found out that I had cancer 11 years ago, I used art in a very different way to heal. Mm. Somewhat surrealistic at first, and then ultimately it became very abstracted. Mm. So things really shifted with my intuition. Uh. That's a whole other story around 
how art was very seminal in that healing. Mm. I think that's so wonderful that you were working with people with disabilities. I'm an occupational therapist and yeah, I've been in that world, although I'm in corporate now and, and doing healings, but now, um, in the past, I've done triathlons with the Challenge Athletes Foundation, and you do relays with different disabled uh, athletes, and they're amazing. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah, I've just, seen pictures, and I've yeah, seen videos. Of racing. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and it's just like they totally kick butt. It's just like this is they're not they don't see themselves obviously if they're doing a triathlon they they don't see themselves as disabled it is like so inspiring and why should they yeah exactly because they're not there's so many different ways that you can live a fulfilling life so that's and there's something major that i learned from those interviews that was if i spread myself too far in my life if i don't if I'm too thin, like mm-hmm. trying to do everything well, I won't find that beauty and depth in anything. And people who I interviewed had one focus that they really could do, and they did it spectacularly. Mm-hmm. And it made me see how it's not about how much one can do. It's finding that passion with what your abilities are. And making the best and the most of it. Yeah, yeah. I remember, this is a little embarrassing, but I was treating this patient and he he was like my age and he was like an Olympic skier and he was so cute. And I I was like working on him every day and I was like, oh my God, I have a crush on my patient. I can't believe this. And I was just like so inspired by him. Yes. And it's like, I don't know, there was just something there, <laughs> this like irresistible attraction. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like kind of confessing to you. But oh anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I've had my own, but I'm not going to share that during this one <laughs> okay that's the the super secret julie yeah the secrets revealed all right well um let's go back to your journey with cancer i've actually had my own diagnosis of cancer i was curious about yours what type of cancer and when were you diagnosed i was driving home and i knew something was wrong. So this is where intuition started coming Mm. into my life more and more. And I thought, oh, I haven't had a mammogram for two years. I'm Mm. going to France this September. I better have one. Okay. What year was this? This was um, in 2012. Mm -hmm. And so I had first stage breast cancer. Um, It could have gone metastatic. It was, you know, they were concerned about it all. It wasn't fast growing. They said, go to France. It's fine. Come back and decide whether you're going to have that tumor out. (laughs) Well, here's me, little old me. I was like, okay, all my family, all my friends, everybody wants me to do something their way. My mom, my mom died of ovarian cancer. I saw the chemo and the radiation completely zap her life and she left her life. It was just a horrible, horrible journey that I saw her go on. And because of that, I said, nope, I'm not doing that. (laughs) So I found a different way. You are my soul sister. (laughs) I I will tell you my story too, but go ahead. I'm just yours. So I was on my way to France And a friend had recommended this wonderful man who was an ND, an MD, and a therapist all in one. And just for the audience that doesn't know, uh, naturopath, right? Naturopathic doctor is an ND. Yeah. When you have an MD and an ND, that's a powerful (laughs) force. It is. Yes. He had all these letter names next to him, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. And but it's he, so good because it's like, you know, applying the natural with like medicine. It's amazing. Um, oh my God. That clinic was outrageous. So what happened is against all my family's wishes, and I was used to being a pleaser, 
This was one of the hardest things I had ever done. I was in France. I talked to my doctor and I, and he says, well, are you going to come already to Texas? And I said, okay. So I made my decision. I got back from France. I said, bye everybody. I'm going to Texas. <laughs> and that was that. And I had all my major healing in Texas. Um, it was through what's called recall healing or German new medicine. German new medicine. Wow. And, yeah, Are you and, German? You're German. I am. Uh-huh. Okay. And the, well, half German. Half German. Yeah. Okay. But the funny thing and the ironic thing is that the fears of Holocaust coming again was part of why I got cancer and why the anxiety, I think for myself was part of that. And German new medicine offered an anecdote to help me. Wow. Isn't That's that profound. Very profound. <laughs> it's like blowing my mind. I know. I know mine too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but also that you have such a powerful psychic ability and intuition to realize and discover that that could have been part of the cause. Obviously there's so many different factors of cancer, environmental, and sure, it, can um, be anything, it, right? it can be so many different things. Um, but I think that DNA history and also any emotional components associated with that is so critical in releasing that cancer and, and going into your healing. Completely. So mm -hmm. basically that whole journey of working with what was called recall healing was recalling three areas of my life. Mm. And this is part of the German new medicine. So one of them was figuring out what I perceived as traumas in my life. Mm. I, I perceived 22, even to some, it might've been nothing, but to me, they were traumas and I wrote them all down and I learned to reframe them. Oh, yes. Reframe yeah. the way we look at them. Right. And then the other was, um, the time six months before, during, and six months after birth, looking at what could have happened with my parents, then mm. and me, and me. And then the last part was looking at the family tree and any similarities with siblings of the same origin of like, let's say I was the third child. So let's say in my ancestry, any sibling that was the third child, what did I have in common? So those were really fascinating. And I learned so much and I moved through all of these traumas with the help of his therapy and other therapy. And that was a big part of the healing. And then in addition, I found doing art in a different way really connected me to some answers that I wanted to find. And that was making art not to be pretty, making art only to heal. And so I had a tiny little book <laughs> and in that I did only abstracted work for the very first time. I said, I'm doing this. And then I put a little title at the end of each one. And when I was in the clinic every day, I would do these little paintings. And mm. then I would read more and then I'd go, okay, when am I going to get the tumor out? Am I going to get the tumor out? Am I going to go all natural? I eventually had the tumor out, but I didn't do it for seven months and I healed in many other ways in the interim. Mm. Yeah, that that's amazing. So, and you used your intuition to let you know when um, when you needed to do that surgery. Like it was time. Yes, I didn't go. I didn't ask the doctors. Like, will you let me know when? I didn't. I said no, no. I'm going to listen to my doctors and what they say about my diagnosis and how things are going. And I'm going to check with these different alternative tests and all kinds of things like that. And I kept assessing every kind of test that was given to me. Is it time to take this out or should I just let it be and dissolve? The tumor did not get smaller. It did not get bigger. And I said, you know what? That's a, that's a tough one. I'm going to just get it out. Yeah. 
So I did, but, but it was one of those things where I had to work with my art to help me figure this out. I just kept doing art, putting little titles on my book. And then I would go, Oh, okay. Victory by another path. This will not be the path I was going to take, but that's okay. It's still a victory. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is definitely. And did you have another job or anything at this time? My job has been mostly as an artist and a teacher. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So always, yeah, always before in the art I even world. developed my gallery. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm just going to share my story real quick because yeah. my, my father also died, I believe of the chemo treatment oh. because he had to go to the ER and they continued to give it to him <sighs> when he was not strong enough, you know? So I, I am. Yeah. I'm not a fan. And you know, you know, you had a, I don't know, a similar journey, but I had that visceral feeling in my body when I got the diagnosis, like, okay, this is your chance. This is your opportunity to not do chemo and see if you can heal. And again, like, you know, like you said, well, actually my husband was kind of neutral to it. So, so he wasn't, he wasn't like, you got to get this treatment, but my cousin, my mom, like a lot of people were worried about me. And then I stopped telling people because I didn't want that energy. (laughs) I felt like it was, I felt like it was contributing to this victim consciousness of like, oh, poor me. I'm so sorry. You know, it's like, what can we say? What do you think we could say to people that is more empowering for healing their life? Oh, I would say this. (laughs) I would say that, first of all, I'm so happy for you. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> that you went that way. And I, and I, I'm, we're kindred spirits on that. And I'm so happy to hear that. Yes. Um, I want to say okay. that every person who has cancer is very individual. And, oh yeah. And, and whenever I've come across anybody who has cancer and feels comfortable with chemo and radiation and just automatically does that, that's their journey, Right. And that's right for them. And I have a friend who had cancer for 23 years <laughs> and she had the BRCA gene, uh, the BRCA gene, okay. which was a, a Jewish through the ancestors gene, which makes you very susceptible to dying more easily from breast cancer. And she lived 23 years after her first diagnosis using chemo and radiation, right? Yeah. But, and my aunt would never go all unnatural ever. And mm-hmm. she had lung cancer the exact same time that I had my breast cancer. So what do you say? You know, you go, you do your way. Go girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, it's such a good point because I think there's something to be said about the placebo effect and energy that like, if you feel like, I think it's so important to stay positive. If you feel like this is helping you visualize that, help it like heal, help your body heal. I have never felt so connected to my body. It was truly a gift to me, my cancer journey. So, and it was, mine was more recent. Did you have breast or other? I had cervical. Okay. Yeah. Cervical oh cancer. My gosh. Yeah. So, so you're, yeah. you're doing it. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. 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 It was amazing. So let's go back to your art and I have to tell you another, this is like, so amazing. This is like a divine appointment with you or something. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. You're so glad. Well, we're both intuitive and totally. here we are together, vibing <laughs> together, have similar journeys, but I currently am not uh, commercial artist. I'm not painting or doing anything like that, but I partnered with one of my clients that I was doing healing sessions with, and she's an artist, a fine artist, abstract artist. And I said, let's do something together. So we're doing an exhibit together in a way called being in joy. And she did this nine pillars of joy and yeah, she painted that and we're going to have music and and so I, I was so special. Like, I'm going to support her and healing art. And so, because I feel like 
you have this mission too, is that everybody can heal from anything, but it's like, if there's art, just like being with the art can transform the space. Do you feel that as well? Being with it as a non-artist or artist either way? Well, I just mean like entering a room that has oh, healing wow. art. Like oh. how can that person, um, yeah, commune with that art or be healed from it? Oh, that's a beautiful question to ask. Um, <laughs> I, I really feel it's important when we have art that we choose for ourselves. That is a creative act in itself to choose mm. our art why do we choose it and if we ask ourselves is it the story behind the art is it because we know what the artist was all about is it just simply the beautiful colors or, or whatever it is about it the art becomes a being it's a living thriving, mm. energetic being that we have chosen to be with and that to me says a lot. We don't have to go and talk to this art every day. It's talking to us just by us being around it. Mm. <laughs> you know, like we don't have to stare at it all the time, but it is there for us. It's like a constant support. That's what I feel art is when we choose art, especially art that we feel helps us be our best selves. And for everybody, that's a different thing. For some people being their best selves is I want to be super energetic all the time. And they want to get art that's got bright color and exciting mm. motion. And somebody else is like, I want to find centered groundedness. Mm. And this is what I need around me. And it could be for each room. It's different because yeah. of what you want that room to represent. So it's, yeah, we, we can find that. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, beautiful. When did you start your company, Sustaining Arts? I started it during COVID. Yeah, because that wasn't that long ago. No. So 2020? Was it 2020? 2021, I actually officially made the LLC. Oh, okay. But before that, you were teaching, you were doing your art. Like what kind of marketing were you doing before that? I was in galleries. Oh, you I were still in galleries. Doing Got it. shows yeah. all the time. I was getting out there. But there was something when COVID hit, mm. I said to myself, I want more independence mm. with my sharing my art. And I also want to help others in a big way. Wow. So that's what happened. I said, and, and I couldn't figure out the name for a while. Okay. And then sustaining arts. Oh my gosh, that's it. Because I am totally into sustaining our planet. I'm seeing what's happening with climate change. I link my company, not just with art, but with the entire idea of regeneration and sustainability. How do we keep ourselves sustained? How do we regenerate our planet? You know, I'm connecting with all kinds of people around this. And even on the sustaining arts website, there are different people who've said certain things about um, how we can not use as much plastic and, you know, like there's a whole section around sustainability in different ways. Yeah. So I'm very committed to that word sustainability and I'm very committed to art. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. That's how it happened. That's amazing. Um, this colleague of mine, his name's Adam Hall. He lives in Santa Barbara. You, you're in Northern California, Yeah, in right? California near San Francisco. Near San Francisco. Berkeley. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're a little bit far away, but, um, okay. he, he's, he has a similar message. He has an earth keeper Alliance. Mm. So about, about sustainability and the earth and everything. Oh, nice. So yeah, maybe I can connect you. I'd love too. that. Love yeah. That. So uh, in, if someone wants to market themselves, like how, how did you get out there being a new company and was it using your intuition? Did you have a marketing plan? Tell me about that process. Oh, this process has been success. so crazy. Why I got to see to your pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was actually in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Now everything is coming to a place of understanding what works. And I'm really excited about that 
because mm. um, in the very beginning, I was going to have an online gallery only. Yes. And then I decided, no, I'm turning my studio into a gallery for four. So that was really good. When I decided to have an event with somebody from uh, Habitat for Humanity coming to talk and share what's going on with that and then sharing the whole exhibit with various designers and various friends and, and, and people, students I know and all. And they all came and we really enjoyed it. And then I said, this is crazy. Why shouldn't I just leave this gallery up? And then what happened is I decided to, because it's a studio also, it's where I paint. I meet people by appointment, right? And I let them know what my hours are, what I, you know, when I'd like to meet them. And I also now have something called Eagle Eye Art Adventures. Oh, I love it. Yeah. (laughs) And Eagle Eye came from one of my students who called me an Eagle Eye. I've been teaching for over 35 years and my eyes are like an eagle when it comes to looking at art and helping people improve upon their art. So when she gave me that name, I thought, I'm going to use that. I like that idea of connecting to something in nature, you know, a being. And um, what I do is either online or in the gallery, both. I bring together businesses to do team building through looking at art, doing art, and talking about art. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and when they do the team building, it can have to do with their own company as well. It can bring in elements of their own company in terms of what they're making with their art or how we're talking about the art in the gallery. So we can bring that in or we can just do it as a fun event just to be exposed to the gallery online or in person. Mm. so that's one of the things that I'm doing and I'm encouraging people and I'm not charging for these events right now I'm just enjoying them with people Mm. and Mm -hmm. just want people to see the gallery and give them some discounts if they're part of these programs I see you know and they get more facile at at talking about abstract art you know, because that's the whole idea. It's mostly abstract art. So some people, they want to be able to talk about it more, but they need a little bit of coaching about it. Or they yeah. already know, and then they help other people when they're at the event. Mm, that so that's amazing. That's just one way. And then the yeah. online is a whole other other approach yeah. to selling. Yeah. And, and, that's, and I don't know how much time we have for that. <laughs> Well, I just think it's helpful for people, including me, to figure out like how to touch people in a way that connects with them and wants to get them to buy. I mean, there's so much noise out there, you know? Oh, yeah. So true. Yeah. But, But what I keep learning is any way that we can connect with people about our story. Mm. you know and the specific work that we're the art that we're showing them like what you're doing with your exhibit with mm-hmm. your friend yeah. you're connecting to joy yes with people right that's already such a great mission so it it's that that's what you're doing you're connecting through something that's very meaningful to you and then bringing them in to discuss it to talk about the art with you and about the joy and ask them a question or two and mm-hmm. then get groups together to talk about it. Like it's that engagement, which gets people excited about having the work because there's a connection they're making. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm really excited. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. So let's talk about your um, intuition. And so what do you recommend um, to people who want to follow their intuition or get in touch with it more? Hmm. You know, it's easy to feel for a lot of people that we need to listen to other people's advice first and taking time to really either write or meditate, go for a walk, whatever it is, talk with somebody you trust to share feelings with, you know, and feel into the body 
what's really happening. Because if a person can find that one person, it can be a teacher, it could be a coach, it could be anyone. Maybe even you don't feel co- a person when they're young doesn't feel comfortable with friends even sharing something. But whoever you could feel comfortable with, share what the bodily feeling is. What's happening in the body as soon as somebody says, I think you should do that. Is the body going, oh, yeah, or is it going, oh, I'm going to, to crumple up into nothing. Like, what is the body feeling? And to start connecting more to that sense of who am I as separate from that person? Because it's very easy to enmesh all of us, like as people are telling us what they think and we're like, okay, maybe I'll do that. And you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? It's like, how do we separate enough? And how do we be kind to people in that separation? Like, for instance, I'll give an example. Somebody I didn't know real well, but I knew well enough to call, you know, almost a friend. I, said, <laughs> I love how you're tiptoeing around this. Almost a friend, like an acquaintance, right? Yeah. I said, oh, I just bought a pair of shorts. And, <laughs> and the person said, why did you do that? It's the middle of winter. And I'm like, well, because I, I, I don't know. Like, like, I was kind of like, I don't know what to say. Like, like I, I just didn't have an answer. Right. And then I realized later, because I love those shorts and I just need those shorts and I don't care whether it's winter. But the reality is, I don't want to hurt a person if I say that. I would say, gosh, it sounds like for you, buying shorts in winter would not be the right thing. It sounds like for you. That's amazing. You know what I, you know what I start correcting people to? Oh my gosh, I'm so bad. I just let people be. But when, when people say, you know how when you're sad all the time, I'm just like, no, I am not. <laughs> Some people maybe, but I, you know, I don't let people because words are powerful. They're spells. They and, and and I'm just like, nope, nope, cancel, cancel. <laughs> I am not taking that on that pattern that you have that every, you have to be sad, you know, and it's just, right. you know, so yeah. But, but the idea really is that, that, that they, that they sometimes don't get it. If, if I, if I say I don't agree, because they're like, well, you have to do that. That's what you do. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then when I, t- when I say, gosh, it sounds like you don't feel comfortable with that, I'm actually letting them own it yeah. for themselves. Yeah. Because, you know, they're like, no, you should do this. You're me. But yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. When it's interesting because they can, sometimes people can kind of be taken aback because they're not used to that response right. of like where they have to take personal responsibility for their story and their patterns yes. and everything, you know, and they're like, okay, bye. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's so interesting. And, and it's like, but you can feel the energy of uh, the criticism of like the shorts, <clears throat> like, okay. It's winter. What are you doing? You know, (laughs) and it's just like, maybe you like to wear shorts at home. Maybe you're going to Hawaii. Like, yeah, but do I even have to? This is the thing. Justify it. I don't have to. I I can just say, I like shorts and I like these shorts. Period. Okay. Okay. Period. Yes. No, it's like this whole thing of like, how do I owe this to this person? Well, that's right. How do, why do you owe them an explanation? You know, it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So what about these other artists that you have in your gallery? Did you attract them? Did they, do you feel like they vibrate at your same energy or did you meet them? Like, how did that happen? Well, the funny thing is I had all these artists who were kind of interested, they were interested in being in the gallery uh-huh. And for various and sundry reasons, they just realized it wasn't the right thing for them. And then when I ended up having four all together, the four of us, it was perfect. Like, I didn't want any more. <laughs> yeah. Well, it feels very balanced, like the medicine wheel, Native American yeah. medicine yeah. wheel, four directions, four, yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's like all four of us, mm-hmm. we love talking together. We're a great team. We love having our events sometimes together. I don't have every event with them. I do it as the gallerist just on my own. I see. 
but sometimes they come and they join me and we discuss what we're doing for the next exhibit, the spring or the fall, you know, and um, they all are really into giving. Mm -hmm. All of the people, they really want to do something for the world beyond themselves. Mm. And that was really important too. And their work is all abstract and intuitive. Oh, so yeah, that's really in alignment. That's all in alignment. So do you ever consider other artists or this is like your core group and that's who this you're sticking with? This is the point. And it's a lot of work to put it all together, even for four. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So, so to change anything would be a lot of work. So I've decided mm -hmm. that's it for now. And if something happens at some point and somebody decides not to or can't be part of it, then then I'll bring someone else in. So do you feel like anyone can be an artist, specifically like a painting artist? Obviously, there's many different forms of art, right? right but I just right. mean, yeah, like painting and oh, drawing. Oh, of course. Anyone. 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 Yeah. And here's the thing about it. What does it mean to be an artist? I mean, people say, oh, that's a label. Okay, does it mean you're an artist if you're only <laughs> professional? Or do you just do art? Or like, how do we couch that term? Meaning, like, if somebody does art and does it for self only, like it's not to share with others. And I have students who are like that. They will never exhibit and they don't want to. They oh. only do it for themselves and their growth and the, the, that idea of just being in the moment of learning and growing and feeling their passion while doing it. So anyone can do it. I feel like the committee that's on our shoulder, the one that's critical, that could have been our teachers, could have been parents or grandparents, could have been friends, could have been anybody saying, oh, you're no good. You know, we get that, right? <laughs> like, you shouldn't do that. We, we've mm -hmm. gotten that. And, and that can sit on our shoulders mm -hmm. for a long time. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how long it sits there. We can politely or rudely tell them to get <laughs> off. <laughs> rudely yeah if it's myself yeah because when it's on the shoulder and it's looking down and it's criticizing saying oh I'm awful it's mm. like it's like a thing of internalizing it to the human being we're all wonderful beautiful human beings maybe that piece of art you just did is not the best who cares that's mm. not you separating it from <clears throat> you right or from us mm. right mm -hmm. the art is not us the art is, to me, I think art is coming through any, you know, from the universe and I'm a vessel mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to bring a channel. forth mm -hmm. a channel in a sense. Mm -hmm. But even when that channel is kind of, kind of mucked up with glue, you know, <laughs> like it's not coming out very well that day. Mm -hmm. That's okay too. And, and if, if I don't use that painting for anything, that's fine because that process of doing it was what helped me heal inside something that I needed. Mm. that's all I needed it for I that's first and foremost and when it comes out well okay I'll try and sell that <laughs> you yeah. know yeah yeah so, so if for anybody being, that's what I say yeah and just being more playful about it detaching that it is not your identity it's not who you are right. you are just a messenger that's so beautiful because I mean so many people including myself we get defined in, by our job right. and not like, for example, just like a few months ago, I started writing poetry uh -huh. and, and I had never written poetry before. That's and so, funny. yeah. And, and I was like, now what am I? I'm a writer. Oh, right. you know? <laughs> Give yourself a label. <laughs> yeah, like, but I don't need a label. You're right. So, so anyway, it's very insightful. Okay, so what's next for you? Anything exciting coming up that you'd like to share with our audience? Oh my, what is next? I am putting together the spring exhibit. Okay, uh, in this in the gallery in Berkeley. So I'm excited about that. Mm. I'm also. Uh, writing a memoir, but it's going to take a while to launch. And okay. the memoir is about speaking my truth. Ooh. Art. Uh-huh. 
That's amazing. What is your uh, spring exhibit? Do you know the dates yet or are you still figuring that out? Uh, I think that it starts the very beginning of May or okay. somewhere in there. Because I, I could put that in the days. show notes. Yeah, that, I could that, put let's that in the show that. notes. Let's yeah. So, well, yeah, no worries about the exact dates. I, yeah. I didn't. So I just want to make sure if our, any of our audience is in Northern California or if they want to fly out there, you know, flights, right. you know, why not? Um, totally. Meet Julie, meet her. I'd love her that. gallery, her other <laughs> artists. So make an appointment with me. <laughs> we're making an appointment because yeah. she might have a different schedule. So what is Zen success for you? Zen success is touching in often to my full body awareness. And being fully who I need to be in every moment. Sharing with people who I am in a loving way and sharing with myself what I need and following through. All of those things every single day, which I am applying so that I am peaceful and with joy going through every day. And I think that connection with either reading a passage, a beautiful passage, um, some poetry or oracle cards or a meditation or whatever before I start painting helps me get into that groove and um, prayer before eating. You know, anything that slows down to say, hey, I'm connecting right now. That's my mm. Zen. Yeah, wonderful. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you, hearing about your journey as an artist and supporting others and your amazing sustaining art. And I'll put your website and your spring show and how to buy your art in the show notes. So thank Beautiful. you for being on my show today. Carissa, this has been such a wonderful joy to be with you and to get to know you as well. Thank, thank you so you. much. My pleasure. If you'll be in the Los Angeles, California area, March 23rd, join us for a free healing art exhibition and March 25th for a paid workshop. I look forward to meeting you there. Details can be found in the show notes and on Eventbrite. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen Success in life.